Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. You can download the CDM app, whether you're on the Apple Store or the Google Store. Just go in, type in Contagious Disciple Making, and go right ahead and download that app so that you can join a growing platform to be able to access our praying community of disciple makers and learn from our podcasts, blogs, and videos in order to learn how to make disciples in your own life and ministry. Now, while you're on there, you could support this podcast by following the link to our Patreon page. Uh, that's uh, www.patreon slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you as they transform their community with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into challenges and tips for disciple making. All right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, becoming a person who can be entrusted with a person of peace. One of the things that I have found um, as I've been doing this for quite some times is that I've got a lot of people who are two days into making disciples and starting disciple making movements who are expecting God on day two to be able to give them a person of peace and launch a movement by the end of the week. Now, that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's not much of an exaggeration. Not too far from that. You know, guys, Paul and I hear all the time, you know, how can we be able to find a person of peace, you know, and a lot of times people use the idea of a person of peace as their golden ticket, like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, their golden ticket to be able to just automatically solve all their problems. It'll make it all happen for them automatically. And movement is going to be, in the horizon. And so they're just looking for this purple unicorn of a person of peace and just sitting around waiting for it to happen. But, well, we, we've had a lot of podcasts that you'll be able to see in our app that, that kind of talks about some of the mythological uh, beliefs about a person of peace. But one of the things is how do we find a person of peace or how what happens until then? And that's one of the things we want to talk about today. So recently, Rebecca and I had a chance to watch uh, the movie Top Gun Maverick, and uh, we love it. We absolutely highly recommend it. It is an absolutely excellent movie. I've actually seen it three times in the theater. Rebecca, I know you've seen it twice in the theater, and uh, it's just really that good. And as I was reflecting over that movie, I think there's a lot in that movie that can help us to understand the idea of a person of peace. First of all, you know, in order for a pilot to get into the cockpit of a uh, airplane that would would launch off of a, um, you know, a, a carrier requires hundreds of thousands of hours of work and preparation. I mean, we talk about to manufacture the plane, if we're talking about to manufacture the carrier, if we're talking about to the staff and crew, both on the carrier and focused around that plane, I mean, we're talking about 
hundreds of thousands of hours and effort and training and learning and experience. And then if we're talking about the pilot themselves, we're talking about tons of experience in order just to get the pilot to a place where he would be, he or she would be entrusted with that plane, with that mission. Okay. And I think that a lot of times we get people who are disciple makers who want to jump right in into the cockpit without any kind of preparation or any concept of becoming the kind of person, a man or woman, that God would entrust with the task of finding a person of peace. So that's the first part that I, I really want to get into. We're going to be talking about that here in a moment. But the second aspect of that, too, is this understanding that if I find a person of peace, basically, I'm home free. You know, everything's been done. Now it gets easy from here. This is where I put in maybe some hard work and then now, now we're good to go. But wait a second, going back from the, to the carrier, uh, you know, example, you realize the moment that that plane launches off a carrier, that's when the dangerous, the truly dangerous work begins. That's when they're in the dogfight. That's when they're going up against the enemy. That's when they're handed a new mission. The mission is not just to get them to the carrier and get the carrier to the, the to carry the plane to the right place. The mission is now to launch that plane and for that plane to do what it was created to do, for the pilot to do what they were trained and created to do. And so for I just want to make a really strong point here that the work begins again, and it's a new kind of hard, the moment you find a person of peace, it doesn't get easy. It's just a new kind of hard. You know, all over in the scriptures, we find the principle of, you know, God entrusting things to people that he can trust with them, the people that have the character and the obedience to be entrusted with those particular things. And that he looks at what, pe you know, are, are people obeying or do they have the heart that is what he knows that he can guide and be able to, to work through. And uh, if you, if anybody's read the book, Discuss Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, he says, you know, everyone's running around concerned about the big, the big assignment that they want God to give them. And they're just like, they're not satisfied with anything except that big assignment in, them, in their head that they want God to give them. When the reality is, is that they're not nearly as concerned about being the type of person who can handle that big assignment. Right. And that it takes us all as humans being extraordinarily faithful and fruitful in the smaller assignments that God has given us to even be considered for the larger assignments. And so when we're looking at something like disciple making and we get frustrated at, oh, all I've had is one discovery group, maybe it's multiplied once or something, or I've only been doing a few things. Why, why, haven't, why hasn't God given me a person of peace yet? And, you know, the, the question we really should be asking ourselves is how are we preparing ourselves to be people who could handle a person of peace, a person who can be able to do that. And so we actually have three different uh, areas that we need to be developing in us so that when we uh, come to the task of actually 
you know, having a person piece or finding a person a piece, we can be ready for those moments. The first, so the first thing is in being a person who is like Jesus. So right. one might ask and say, how does one find a person of peace? Well, predominantly one of the ways that people find, you know, how we find a person of peace is that as we engage people who don't know Jesus and we're, we're, you know, following God and we're listening to him and obeying him, that as we're out and amongst people, we're trusting that God is going to be guiding us as we're doing so and creating as in the old vernacular divine appointments, but that not just that we would, you know, meet, but that when we meet that these persons of peace are the kind that would be attracted to people who seem to be like Jesus, that they're the kind of people that actually would be attracted to him if he were walking in and among them. And so if we are not actively doing the things that Jesus would be doing and speaking the way Jesus would and showing a genuine relationship with God, then we could be missing an opportunity to attract a person of peace because we're leaving off that, that step of they're going to be attracted to people who have genuine relationships of God and live lives of good works. If we're not doing that, then we're not going to be attracting person of peace. So what we should be asking ourselves is what are they looking for and whom are they drawn to? And let's look at each of those elements. Yeah. So for example, if you're looking for a person of peace and they happen to be somebody who is maybe like Cornelius and is doing more good works than you are, then when they come to you and they're saying, they're, they're like, yeah, I do this and this because of my passion, because I've been searching for whatever the answer may be. And then they look at you and they're seeing that you're doing nothing, that you're not engaging anyone anywhere and exhibiting some kind of generosity, even though that generosity may look different from their generosity. If you're not exhibiting any kind of generosity that they would sit there and go, wow, this is great, then it's going to be really hard for them to sit there and say, this person has something that I don't. And so one of the first things that we do when we are looking at becoming people that God would entrust with persons of peace is we have to be people who are doing good works out of love for Jesus Christ and for the people that he has created. That often separates us, by the way, for, for those who are persons of peace. They may do good works out of a sense of duty or a sense of obligation or checking the religious box of some sort. But when they come upon us and they find that, wow, you're doing this because you love God, not because you're earning your way to heaven, because you love people, not just because you want them to give you accolades, then they go, oh, this is someone that I need to stand up and take note for. This is, this is different from what I've been exposed to by religious people in the past. So if you want to find a person of peace, be a person who is active within, their, within your community, someone who is adding value to your community, someone who's trying to help to solve the problems of your community, someone who's taking extreme ownership of the lives of the people around you. So that's number one. Number two, how we speak. You know, what do we talk about? You know, what are, you know, do we speak in truth and kindness and humility? All those things are important. You know, nowadays we like to very much, you know, focus either on being super harsh in the truth that we say or super quote nice 
and not say anything offensive at all. When the reality is a true person of peace is going to be drawn to truth and drawn to the love of God. So we have to be learned to be able to be people who can listen to the people around us, to see the people around us as individuals, to meet them where they are, and to give them both love and kindness in the things we speak. Now, the last thing is, is that what are they looking for? They're looking for people who have a authentic, intimate relationship with God, right. people that actually seem to know who he is. And so, and be drawn to that. They're not going to be drawn by our, our, by religiosity, by jargon, by people are trying to impress people with their, their spiritual prowess or their knowledge and theology. They're looking for someone who is simple, who is humble and but yet they speak like they actually know god like there there seems to be some genuine back and forth here this is important guys because again a lot of us in ministry leave off really tending to our personal relationship with god how we're changing how we're listening to him how we're communing with him and if we if we do that then we don't have as much evidence as that they're looking for that we're walking with God day by day and the things that we're doing. So if we want people to person speech to attract to us, we need to be able to say things like, well, when I was talking with him the other day, I, you know, I realized and reading is where this is what I saw. And so therefore this is what I did. And, you know, it, and, and that if these things aren't genuine, then you know, they're going to see that they're going to sense that. I, I, I'm reminded of, of just being able, you know, Romans chapter 12, where it says that we are to be um, transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And that idea that we can get to know God that well, that we would know his character and know his will is really important. I mean, my dad one time was on a boat in the Ganges River and you had the tour guide was a Brahmin priest. And he was sitting there and he looked at the whole boat and said, uh, you know, there, you know, even the Bible says that reincarnation is real. Just as a statement, he didn't quote anything. He just made that statement and all the, all of the, um, you know, the, the people in the boat, the Westerners in the boat, many who, who might call themselves Christian or Catholic were nodding their heads. And my father just very respectfully stood, you know, just looked at him and said, sir, I have been a student of the Bible all of my, you know, for the last 40 years of my life. And I have read his word almost daily. And scripture t- does not confirm, I respectfully say that Christian does not, scripture does not say that reincarnation, it says that there is only one life given to man, and then they face judgment. He was very respectful. He was very kind. He spoke the truth. And they got done with that uh, trip and everything. They got off. There was no big incident. My dad went to his hotel room, and at 1 a.m., he got a knock on the door. And there was that Brahmin priest. And that Brahmin priest says, I've been taking people up and down the Ganges River for over a decade and not one. And I have said that line every single time. And not one person has ever told me the Bible said otherwise until I met you. What does the Bible say? And from that point forward, anytime my dad stood, stepped foot in Varanasi, 
it was guaranteed within the first 48 hours that that Brahmin priest would come to my dad in the wee hours of the morning and spend hours talking with him about scripture because my dad was talked as one who knew God and was willing to speak that truth in kindness and humility. That one sounds like a Brahmin Nicodemus, but you know, the thing is, is that when, when we are, you know, also guys, when we are in an intimate relation, God, he guides our steps. You know, Mm. we will, we will know what obedience is and how to engage and have the creativity for that. As we pray to God and, and trust in him that he would help us to be able to come up with these things. So, you know, as, as, as David Watson says, like in, in um, his praying with movements podcast that we did, you know, God will give us creativity and solutions we otherwise would not have if we had not prayed and spent a lot of time with him. So, and also when we're talking about, you know, speaking in such ways that show an authentic relationship with God, you know, uh, there's been so many times where I've shared with people say, listen, I grew up in, in church a lot of my life. But when he started really revealing himself to me, it was like a dog who's colorblind suddenly seeing the color red. Hmm. You don't necessarily know everything about what you just saw, but you know, it's different than anything that you have seen before. Right. And, and the thing is, you should see their faces when I am, am, am telling them that because they're like, oh, this is a person who really has had a spiritual experience and not somebody who's just had a religious experience. And so this is what we want. So that really we want to get into our next point now is the prayer mobilization. Now this one, I do have to say with, with Paul and I, we've been beat, we beat this drum all the time with people and disciple making movement and say, you've got to raise large and extraordinary amounts of prayer when it comes to disciple making movement, or it does not happen. And in fact, we've started illustrating things even more and more in order to be able to do so. Um, but the reality is, is that when a person, when a person of peace is revealed, in other words, you meet a person of peace and now it, things are starting to accelerate. There is a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare that happens during that time. And the, and the reason being is that it's not about one person. You know, guys, the person of peace is not about that one person that you're you're talking to. It's about the community that will be opened up to the gospel because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be signaling that, hey, this is an entire community that is now being opened to the gospel of the kingdom. And so now this is going to go from just, you know, one struggling DBG that may replicate or may not to suddenly finding 10 plus, you know, groups starting within a short time period, because this, this one person apiece is going and sharing with all these people and they're responding. So again, it's not just them. It's in all this group. And so Satan's not sitting back going, sure, whatever. You know, he's going, no, I don't want to lose an entire community of people. I don't want to to lose an entire network of families that I had, you know, in my possession. And he's going to fight it. And so what we have to do is do the bit, the work of building a, a prayer support system for such a time as these, first off in preparation for that, but then also 
for those times in which there will be severe spiritual warfare as we discover persons of peace. Yeah, exactly. You know, and one of the things that I look at is, you know, if, why would God give us a movement of 80,000 churches and over 2 million baptisms in, in, you know, 20 years or 10 years or less, when we are unwilling to put in the work to mobilize a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people to pray. I mean, and we're unwilling to put in the time ourselves to spend t- to to pray and to seek the face of God. It just amazes me that that we're wanting we're wanting to, for for we're like a five year old who wants God to give us a BMW when we turn 10 and we don't have the, we don't have the motor control. We don't have the skill sets. We don't have the responsibility. We don't understand the value of what we're doing. We just want it all handed to us to make it easier because we're doing it in the name of Jesus. Right. But these are lives, Mm -hmm. your life, your family's life, the other believers around you engaged in this mission. It's their life too. And the person, the peace, and that entire community they open up, these are real lives that the Son of God thought were so valuable that he came down to die for us. If we're not willing to put in the work to mobilize prayer for them and for us and to cover and to do all the spiritual warfare, then why would God hand us that huge of a responsibility that's found within a person of peace. So guys, we have a lot of podcasts that are about mobilizing prayer. Go look it up inside of our contagious disciple making app under learn disciple making and prayer. We have a lot of, or underneath the CDM podcast uh, section and under prayer. And there's tons of things in there. Those of you who have taken our class. We have a, a whole a lesson just dedicated on prayer mobilization and seeking prayer movement. And we, we really do have a lot of solid, you know, ways of saying, this is how we seek prayer movement and how we can see it happen. But predominantly guys, um, what we find in coaching and uh, within the people that we talk to is, it's not just like a, they, people don't understand how to do it. It's that they're just unwilling to do the steps consistently it takes in order to be able to build it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of also, you know, just uh, preferences. Well, I just like praying with small groups. Well, that's nice, but, and you can pray in small groups, but you also have to lead and, and mobilize large amounts of prayer for the work that you do. Well, I only like doing the, these kind of prayer, this kind of prayer. Well, that's nice, but, your task, <laughs> once again, is to mobilize large amounts of group of prayer. Sometimes just the effort that Paul and I have to make to get people to post to our seeking prayer page, you know, a lot of times it takes them being slamming up against the brick wall of spiritual warfare, you know, 10 different times before we're like, go post. And then as soon as they do, they start they seeing breakthrough. some breakthrough right. in what they're doing. And so, you know, guys, we have several event venues with the CDM per page and with, um, and then also within our meetings. And then I'm sure also things within your employee 
make use of all of those things and resources to build this network because otherwise it will not happen. And because we're doing a spiritual battle and not just a physical battle. And this is part of how we do battle is in and through the spirit, through prayer. And once again, I want to tell you the reality of both sides of this conflict. There's the side of preparation to get to the point of finding a person of peace where we mobilize prayer. We need prayer for the whole process, for God to direct our paths to get there, for us to be protected. But then there's the reality of when we find the person of peace, the battle is now engaged. And Satan's going to come against us with everything that he has in order to derail the process, either through us, through our family, through friends and connected ones, or through in the lives of the person of peace in their community. And so if we don't do that hard work of mobilizing that prayer and getting it ready, then when the battle comes, we are going to be sorely understaffed and underprepared to do what God has called us to do. So the last thing that for, that we need to do in preparation for being a person who can handle or be entrusted with a person of peace is developing our skills and making disciples. You know, first off, we're going to be developing those skills as we just go out and engage people who don't know Jesus. We have to learn how to get to know people, how to integrate into communities, how to have conversations that, you know, point to, G, to point to his word to such a way people will want to read the word. And that's that, you know, we have to have those, fit, develop those skills. But even beyond that, uh, you know, when it comes to how do we coach people and how to do their discovery groups, how do we coach other people to start discovery groups? And can we do that effectively to the point to where they can replicate, you know, um, the best way for us to be able to do that is to just start with the people that we do come across. So here in CDM, we kind of do a, a delineation between someone we call a spiritual share and a person of peace. A spiritual share is someone who is willing to uh, not, not only uh, hear the Bible and discuss the Bible, but do something from it and share with other people. The difference between a spiritual share versus person of peace is really magnitude uh, in many different ways is, is that a spiritual share, you might see it within a small family that might multiply once or, you know, perhaps twice, but, you know, it, it's a relatively small community of people that it, it affects or small groups of people that it affects. Whereas in a person of peace, we like to think about it as an, a larger you know, scale more, you know, larger community that happens a bit more rapidly. So it has definitely the sense of miraculous to it that is an acceleration. So, you know, um, if you think about it, if, if tomorrow, if you suddenly came across a person of peace and within a month you suddenly, or two, you suddenly have 10 groups that are going on, do you have the ability to coach 10 groups through discovery Bible study to where they will multiply and that you have the prayer networks for all that and all is and what if those multiply again in four to five you know months and now you have 20 or or more you know do you have the skills already to know how to be able to coach people who will coach people who will coach people in this and discovery group and discovery Bible study and so 
if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us will say no, because I've never even have coached one person through discovery Bible study, you know, well, and so we, we have to embrace where we are right now and say, okay, well, then I am going to, to do my best with what I have right now and to learn the skills so that when the larger assignment comes, when the, when it does come, I have a greater sense of skills to be able to handle those things. Well, and the other thing that, I mean, just to point out another skill, Rebecca, that I think we run into a lot in, and it's a very real one is the idea of uh, planning, yes. being intentional and in planning. You know, mm-hmm. I have seen so many disciple makers and from time to time, myself included in this, who have been handed people who, where we had meaningful and spiritual conversations, a potential relationship, but because of poor planning, we lost the opportunity to create relationships and follow up. Um, And that if we're found a person of peace and we're not following up and we're not helping them in all of that, why would God give us somebody if we don't have systems in our lives to make sure that those people don't fall through the cracks? If we, if we're already struggling to, to prioritize our time in such a way that we can mobilize prayer, then why would God give us something that would require even more time than, than what to mobilize prayer and more people to engage than we would before? If we're struggling to manage our time to have two discovery Bible studies and one disciple-making community, why would God all of a sudden give us 10 to 20 and those kind of things? And it's a matter of, We have to learn how to prioritize our time. We have to learn to manage the energy and the day that God has given us. We have to learn to be able to put his things first and our things second, and then learn when we need to take breaks. We've got sometimes God's not giving us a person of peace yet because he wants our families to be a part of the disciple making process. And we've not started including them in our process of finding persons of peace and engaging the lost and all of that too. And so we want, once again, we're wanting the BMW. We're wanting the fighter plane and to be able to just get in it and make it go. And we haven't put in the the work to be able to get there and arrive at that moment. I would say lastly, Paul, the, the, the thing that we have to prepare in skills, and that is actually how we handle stress and conflict. Yes. Because, you know, if we're people that just get easily, you know, frazzled or stressed out or, you know, spin out of control or something like that. I'm going to tell you, when you start getting a person to peace, you got tons of spiritual warfare coming at you and you have now 10 different groups that can become 20 different groups. You're got to be able to handle all that stress. You got to be, and I don't mean as in like, well, God never, I don't mean the phrase, God doesn't give you anything you can handle. That's not what this podcast is. But the point is, is that have you even gotten to a level of dependence on God to be able to handle you? If you can't even handle the life that you have right now, you know, uh, without, you know, basically rocking yourself to sleep in the corner every single night, you know, why would God give you something that's even more stressful and more impossible? So guys, what do we do? This is not meant to discourage you. This is meant for you to to get off the couch or get on and, and pick yourself up and to say, I need to become, I need to become more than who I am. I need to become someone who's more dependent upon God and his strength. Someone who is, who is um, more active in my community, someone who is 
uh, you know, better knowing how to have conversations with people, a person who is mobilizing prayer at a much larger, uh, you know, ability, someone who's growing in their, their faithfulness and skill and making disciples. Because as I am growing, God is going to entrust me with more and more in this. And so that's what we're, we're saying, folks, is that, you know, instead of asking the question, you know, how long until God gives me a person of peace, which say, well, how long until we are the kind of people that can be able to be entrusted with a person of peace? And so we change the threat, the, the shift to the question to get us to realize that our responsibility in this whole task. And finding that person of peace on this last note, when you come at it with that attitude, when I become the person that God would entrust with this great responsibility of an entire community coming to know him and him working through me, partnering with me to make this happen. When we change our mind shift to that, then in the moment that we get a person of peace, it's now this incredible worship moment where we, we recognize it for what it is and, and we, we see them, we begin the process, and then we go home. We get in our prayer closet. And we sit there and we fall on our knees before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we say, thank you. You know me. You know my weaknesses. You know my strengths more than anything else on the entire, in the entire universe. And you have chosen to give this to me and entrust me. Thank you. And in that same moment of incredible gratitude, there's this moment of incredible responsibility and reliance upon him saying, Father, I grac- you know, I, with gratitude, I take up this responsibility and I ask you to help me to bear it well so that I can bring honor and glory to you. So there's this, this moment when your attitude shifts and it's now, instead of demanding of the Lord, give it to me now. It's now, I want to become the person that you would entrust this with. And then when it happens, it's this incredibly tender moment between you and the father. And really in, to the point you're making, Paul, is that it shifts from being, now I want a person of peace to, for me to fulfill my goals for me to, to feel like I am having significance in my life because I've been able to do something pretty cool and awesome. It's, uh, or because I deserve this or because this is what God should just do is that instead now it's a sense of, wow, I've been entrusted with something extremely important and I feel the weight of this responsibility will t- and we'll take it soberly and seriously you know, at this bit and with the strength of God now. And so, you know, I I think that is what God is looking for is people who will, who will look and at the things that he has given them in the right perspective Mm -hmm. and that are in a place of true preparedness for it. I agree. I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing, and you've been listening to the CDM podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We hope that it's equipped you to better make disciples wherever you are. And if you could do us a favor right now, go on over to the Apple store, to the Google store, wherever you happen to download this and like it, share it, rate it, 
write a review. We love reading those reviews. They can be quite encouraging when you share how this podcast has been able to help you uh, become a better disciple maker who can see disciple making movements happen in your area. It encourages us and allows us to continue to make these podcasts and everything else. And until next time, where we talk to you again, go and make disciples. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and supporting us on Patreon. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.